You are listening to the Health and Wellness Connection Podcast, the number one wellness podcast designed to provide the latest information to help you achieve your health and wellness goals. Our show features exciting guests, the latest in medical research, and in-depth discussions in current trends on weight loss, nutrition, and fitness. No matter what your interest, the Health and Wellness Podcast has you covered. And now, presenting your illustrious host, Dr. Barry, MD. Welcome to the Health and Wellness Connection. This is your host, Dr. Barry, and I want to thank you for joining us again and coming back to kind of kicking it with us and as we chat about some of the latest health and wellness news. Now, of course, you know, um, we talk about a lot of different things here, guys, from health and wellness information, from um, both nutrition to just kind of science. We look at science-based research information, which we present to you guys, and all kinds of things that, um, you know, related to travel and just anything that would affect your health and wellness in all aspects of life. So we do a lot of work in trying to get information that will be relevant to you so you can make good decisions, you know, going forward. So um, I'm again your host, Dr. Barry here, and I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, first things first, I want to um, first I'll let you guys know how you can contact us. I've got a lot of great messages from great professionals so far that are reaching out and other uh, fans who are just kind of happy for uh, the content we're providing. And I want to thank you for listening and uh, continuing to patronize us and, uh, you know, pay attention to what we're saying. Hopefully you guys are sharing with your friends and family, you know, letting people know um, let people know about what we're doing so that they can hopefully get some of the good info as well. Um, so shouts out to all those who reached out. And, you know, please, I encourage you guys if you have any questions or want to collaborate, you know, definitely feel free to reach out. We love to work with others, especially those who have some expertise in these areas. Um, secondly, guys, if you would like to uh, support the show, um, a couple ways you can do so. Uh, number one, definitely um, check us out on Instagram, Dr. Barry MD. You can follow me on Instagram. We post all the updates on there. Also, you can donate to the show at Cash App. Uh, we uh, take all donations because uh, we are a uh, full-fledged operation here. We're trying to work to make sure we provide the best content to you. And of course, that costs money to get talent in. So we definitely need those donations. Send um, any kind of Cash App donations for my uh, U.S. Uh, guests at Dr. Barry Health. That's D-R-B-A-R-R-Y-H-E-A-L-T-H. And for all my international listeners, we're going to have crypto as well, guys. You can donate too, so you can kind of help support the show. Uh, we'll be posting those infos later on. Uh, or you can email us. We'll get that to you as well if you want it sooner rather than later. All right, guys, enough about that. Um, let's talk about some interesting topics that are on the horizon today. There's actually quite a few good ones here, so it should be a good show for you guys. First things first, you know, we got to talk about COVID briefly. You know, COVID is definitely still doing its thing. Um, there's a COVID, um, believed to be a COVID um, surge going on right now. Um, and then we talked about this briefly last week, but we're going to talk a little bit more about it as far as the different variants. There's two different variants now that are believed to be causing the havoc we're seeing with this current surge. Um, and it's um, right now, uh, believe that these two new variants, the BA4, BA5, I want to say variants, are the ones that are really causing a lot of havoc on the population. And then because of now, you know, people believe that, um, you know, well, COVID regulations have been relaxed generally due to COVID fatigue with the masks and the uh, vaccine discussions. Um, many believe, though, though, though that those reg relaxed um, regulations are what's leading to this new surge. Um, as we as we actually see on the latest reports, this is actually um, June, uh, sorry, July 21st when we're recording this. Um, it's believed that uh, 
Biden himself has actually come down with COVID and is actually currently positive at the recording time of recording of this podcast. So, you know, the country, the United States is looking closely and watching, you know, his health and making sure he doesn't, um, you know, get any worse. And they're going to be monitoring him closely. And it's for the record, um, President Biden has been vaccinated and boosted. So he has the maximum protection as far as vaccination is concerned. And it's believed that he was also recently started on Paxlovid. So um, this is definitely something that um, is pretty concerning um, because we all know COVID can be extremely dangerous to those who are elderly and have comorbidities, which I'm sure um, Biden has. So, you know, the nation's uh, health sector is watching closely, making sure that the president can get through this. Ultimately, though, um, it just shows how real this surge is. That being said, um, many people are hoping that the new medication known as Paxlovid, the new pill that can be gotten without a prescription in the United States that um, is believed to um, help reduce symptoms, uh, especially based on research data, that it would be hopefully effective in helping people who do come down with COVID who are not vaccinated be able to tolerate the symptoms and hopefully, you know, get through unscathed. So, um, yes, COVID is still doing its thing. Now, an interesting fact about this new um, COVID wave that we stated was likely being perpetuated by the BA4, BA5 variants of the COVID COVID virus, it's believed that now this loss of taste and smell are no longer among the most telling symptoms of the virus. The recent survey that was conducted out of the United Kingdom, and they looked at about 17,500 patients who were asked about their symptoms. These are patients who were confirmed COVID. They kind of queried the patients, asked them, what symptoms are you having? And what they found was that 58% reported a sore throat, 49% reported a headache, 40% had a blocked nose, a real stuffy, congested nose, and 40% had a cough with no phlegm. So it was kind of interesting because before, you know, everyone knows, as historically known, COVID symptoms have been, you lose your taste and smell. That was really the first variant. But now this new variant, we see the taste and smell is being retained in people who have the virus, but they're almost always getting sore throat, cough, congestion. So, you know, just further reiterating that this COVID virus is very kind of unstable. It mutates regularly, causes different symptoms, sometimes milder, sometimes more serious. One thing that we also are seeing is that those who do contract this virus tend to have fairly mild symptoms in the the sense that not getting those severe complications we were seeing with the first wave, simply kind of upper respiratory symptoms of what we're seeing for the most part. This is in both vaccinated and unvaccinated. So it's interesting that, you know, this COVID, as we see how it's moving and how it's doing its thing, you know, there's still some kind of, um, you know, confusion as far as what is actually causing the issues that we're seeing in the population. And because COVID doesn't really stay still, even the things that are created to fight it, sometimes they tend to be not as effective just simply after one year due to the rapid mutation abilities of the COVID uh, virus. Um, One thing I've seen personally, just in my practice, again, as I told you guys before, I am a practicing emergency physician, so I do work in the ER in various parts, small and large. And you see a lot of different patients now. And I will say just my own personal experience that there's definitely a lot of COVID in the emergency room. So if you don't want COVID, stay out the ER. Now, that being said, if you're sick, get to the hospital if you have some other issues. But, you know, if you're just coming out just to, you know, attend to a, <laughs> a stub toe you had like four weeks ago or, you know, you have a, a pain in your back for six months, it's probably better you find your primary care doctor, get an appointment or even do a Zoom conference if you can, because there's a lot of COVID in these hospitals. And, uh, you know, that being said, you know, it's not a death sentence if you do catch COVID. So please don't get too crazy. But ultimately, you don't really want it if you can avoid it. 
because COVID will definitely put you down. So I advise you that guys, if you're um, you know looking for medical assistance and care, you know, try to um, you know come if absolutely necessary, just due to the fact that COVID is definitely back on the scene. All right, guys. So speaking of COVID and the COVID vaccine, there was some new research that came, recently came out, and this one was out of Israel. Um, it was kind of interesting because it could, it kind of attacked one of the known, uh, not known, but one of the known conspiracy theories, I should say, that's being purported out here by the COVID vaccine, and that is that the COVID vaccine, if you take it, may affect your ability to reproduce. Um, there's been no evidence whatsoever to indicate that if you take the vaccine, you won't be able to have kids. But somehow, some way, this kind of um, concept and 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 and, uh, and I want to call it a trope, but this uh, this, this basically this this lie, basically what it is, was been put out there on social media that if you do get vaccinated, you might not be able to have kids. Your sperm won't work, and your, your eggs won't work, and so forth. And it's just not not true at all. Unfortunately, these these um, these myths tend to go viral quite frequently. So clinicians like myself and others are constantly having to debunk these things. Now, that being said, there was a concerning study that did come out that may have given some of these, um, you know, um, internet um, conspiracy theories a little bit of leg. And that is, one recent study of Israel showed that COVID-19 vaccination may potentially impair semen concentration and total motile count, motile count meaning the, the sperm uh, mo mo mobility um, in semen donors. Now, this is kind of now, one thing before I even go any further, I will say this study had a lot of issues and it may actually make this, you know, um, overall a conclusion a little bit faulty. First things first, the study was extremely small. They looked at 37 people, right? 37 um, donors from three different sperm banks, right? So um, even though it was 37 people, they did have 200 samples. And, you know, that already is a red flag. You know, a study that looking at looking at 30 something people is extremely small. So you really can't use the data from this small group of people to kind of extrapolate to the entire global population. So who knows if these guys are all related? Who knows? There could be a lot of issues that unfortunately could have been exposed due to the small nature of the study. Now, if they told me it was 30,000 or 300,000 sperm samples were looked at, that would definitely be, I think, a stronger set of data you could make you know, conclusions with. That being said, they looked at these 37 um, gentlemen who's donated, and they looked at their samples, and they looked at it. It was kind of interesting because they had these all the people who donated had recently completed a COVID vaccination schedule, and they actually received the Pfizer COVID vaccine. So what they did was, after they got their um, vaccination, they completed their second dose. They actually got sperm samples from these individuals at different time periods. One was at 15 days, one was at 45 days, one was at 75 days, and then one was at 25, 125 days. So they looked at the samples of the sperm over these time periods after the vaccine was given. Again, 15 days, 45 days, 75 days. And they looked at these studies, right? At these samples, looking at the sperm motility, how you know healthy the sperm was, and so forth. And what they found is that when they looked at the samples, especially that were about two weeks out from getting the vaccine, they noticed that the sperm concentrations and the motility was actually decreased compared to the samples that were received before they got vaccinated. Again, 15% decrease in concentration in an average sample as far as the sperm concentration. And then they also noticed a 22% reduction in sperm motility. So the sperm were less effective in getting around. So that obviously could prove ish, um, problematic 
once the sperm gets into um, you know the female and tries to get to the egg so it's definitely concerning and so but then they looked at samples further out um, and they looked at again the ones that were 75 um, days out to the 145 days out and they noticed that as they went further out from the vaccination those sperm issues resolved so 75 days out they looked at the, they looked at the samples they noted that the um, sperm motility and concentration improved and then 145 days out um, the levels essentially normalized so um, it's kind of concerning when you look at it it seems like there's about a three and a three and a half month um, ish uh, time period where there's some potential evidence of the sperm concentration and motility being diminished which could obviously affect fertility at least in males in this study and again this is a very small study so it's something that you know we cannot use really to say this happens to everybody but it's definitely something that needs to be further explored and i think that's something that's obviously being done now there's some belief that they feel that the immune response that you get after receiving the vaccine is maybe what affects the sperm causing these numbers to decline but again that has to be proven with further research so you know that does you know show there's some evidence that you know your sperm may be affected negatively by the vaccine um, but again this is a very small study so it's hard to draw conclusions from it but it's something that we will be watching and we're bringing the facts here it's not about you know some uh, conspiracy theory we're looking at the data you know this is to me not strong enough to say anything concrete um, but i would definitely you know if you're someone who's you know potentially you know having issues with motility as it is or maybe you and your your, your spouse are trying to get pregnant and cannot and you've had your your stuff looked at your sperm and they've told you there are issues there that could be a reason why you may want to consider, you know, uh, pausing on this until this is further um, figured out. Now, if you're a high risk patient, you know, who has a lot of illnesses, you know, you have to weigh the pros and the cons. And this is when talking with your clinician becomes important. So hopefully um, this will be further, you know, looked at and there's more data hopefully to come that will give us more info regarding the vaccine and its relation to sperm motility and health. All right, guys, enough about sperm. Let's talk about the next uh, kind of health issue that's kind of terrorizing the globe and that is this current heat wave guys it is hot i don't know if you guys have been outside i'm here in texas and it is really killing everybody as far as the heat the funny thing is down here in texas i'm actually in houston texas and a lot of people who are not from the city who have recently moved down here just to kind of guess take part in all the amazing things houston has to offer um, but that being said a lot of people who are not from texas who are here and it's interesting because people are not taking it well you see a lot of folks here just looking crazy out in the sun trying to get their business taken care of during the day and it's just like you know acs are just firing on all cylinders all across you know um, the state so much so that there's a concern that you know the power grid may not be able to sustain it and that's one thing that you know leads to kind of how we have to adjust our living habits in this you know world that's being increasingly affected by climate change. It's believed that um, climate change um, um, as a result has resulted in a 1.5 degrees Celsius average increase in temperature, um, you know, over the past year. And it, it, and it shows that, uh, you know, and this thing is tend to get more obvious during the summertime when we see these kind of massive heat waves that have been really been gripping the globe. Um, Europe had a massive heat wave um, that caused many people to lose their life, um, I think in Spain last week. And so this week now, there's another um, concern for a heat wave in various parts of the country here in the United States. Um, we've seen temperatures high as a, a you know, 40 plus degrees Celsius 
um, here in, in Fahrenheit, we're seeing 100 plus, 105 degrees, 110 degrees in certain areas. So it's extremely hot. And there's a concern that with all this excess heat, that people uh, may have issues, you know, just staying healthy because when your body's so hot, you know, it can potentially affect your overall metabolism and your body's ability to function. Um, you know, it's believed that, you know, heat over, if your body's temperature rises, there's actually a very complex system within your body to help regulate your heat. And, you know, this is why you feel so good in 75 degree weather because that is kind of an ideal temperature where your body can work its best. Now, if you're in a 110 degree environment, your body is not able to appropriately affect your internal temperature so it can function optimally and the external heat will cause it to rise and that can affect the way it can function. So these leads to things like heat strokes, which is extremely um, dangerous um, and typically a heat stroke actually occurs as a result of the body's inability to regulate its temperature, causing dysfunction in the brain, which can lead to confusion, even brain injury. So um, it's so, so important that you know, when you're, um, you know, out there in the heat and you're losing fluids, you know, you drink a lot of water. This is why water is so important because water is critical in this process that the body uses to help regulate its internal temperature. So you got to hydrate even when you're sweating. The body sweats into the skin. That water then evaporates on your skin that actually can cool down your body once, you know, when that evaporation process occurs. So, you know, sweating while uncomfortable is very important in helping you regulate your temperature. So water is, criti is critical for this. And when you sweat out all the water you have, you're kind of going to potentially overheat because you won't be able to use that mechanism to help you cool down when the temperature is, is hot. So you know, that's why it's so critical that when we're in these heat waves, guys, to avoid potential bodily injury, injury, you need to be hydrating. And because the heat is an increase, you should consider increasing your daily water intake more so than it would than you would in the spring or the fall. So I tell people to generally, and this is again, general advice guys please see your primary care doctors if you really want you know detailed advice specific to you but the average individual um, female um, you know who 80 100 pounds should be 800 kilograms sorry should be drinking about two liters a day um, males who are a little bit bigger estimate to be 80 to, one, uh, to 120 um, um, should be drinking about 2.5 to 3 liters a day of fluids especially in these higher temperatures um, proper hydration is critical to allow you to be able to, you know, properly regulate your body temperatures in these hot days. Now, ideally, you want to be indoors if you can. Uh, indoor activities are going to be, I think, preferable, um, especially if you're living in an area that's being affected by heat wave. So consider, you know, indoor sports, um, enjoying a local gym, um, going inside to work out. You know, I'm a big on working out. So, you know, me, I actually prefer working outside. So for me, I've had to adjust my schedule and work more indoors, work in the, work out in the evenings. In the more or the late more and early mornings and try to make sure you avoid that that a period when the sun is out and the temperatures are at their highest because it can be very dangerous if you do get caught out in a situation where you're outdoors not enough hydration and uh, potentially um, could find yourself in, in a bit of trouble so that being said guys in the er you know we're obviously seeing a lot more people with heat related issues so it's very important that you understand the dangers of extreme heat and how you know you can very easily lose your life if you're not careful so be very very cognizant of your temperatures try to make sure you have a lot of water around you um, be sure you can wear sunscreen um, because that can help reduce the it, being sunburned which is also an issue in itself and it's just something that you need to be ca careful of because the temperatures here are higher than they've been 
in many years and uh, there's concern they'll only get higher going forward given the effects of global warming so um, so yeah so be careful guys all right guys let's shift gear guys this is summertime we talked about the heat talk about covid other than that's big during the uh summer months is alcohol okay we know a lot of parties are going down in the summertime people are taking vacation you know a lot more people getting drunk um so you want to be careful especially here in this heat you get drink getting drunk in the sun you may get dehydrated quicker which will cause you to get you know in trouble so be careful on that but I actually don't want, they don't want to talk about you know alcohol in a negative light actually because there's some good news if you're a, someone who drinks um, um, alcohol here on occasion. A new study came out it was actually published in the Lancet um, this month actually and it looked at alcohol consumption and the health risks associated with it. And what they did was essentially they looked at um, this is another great study in my opinion because there was a large number of people in the data sets that were looked at. They actually looked at 30 years of data on people aged between 15 to 95 from 204 countries and territories, right? So that's a very massive amount of data. So again, so looking at the data, it's definitely a very powerful study. Now looking closer at the data, it was estimated that 1.34 billion people around the world consumed harmful amounts of alcohol in the year 2020. This is the year when the data was collected. Now, out of that 1.34 billion people who drank alcohol, more than 59% of those people who drank, drank unsafe amounts, right? And these people were between the age of 15 to 39, right? So younger people and over two thirds of this 59% were men. So definitely more men drinking, especially young men. There were the majority of the people who were um, considered to have consumed a harmful amount of alcohol. All right, so this, now they further looked at the data and they found that those who were below the age of 40, there was really no health benefits because young men, of course, who were drinking, which is seemed to be the majority of those drinking in this study or who were analyzing the study, there were high rates of traumatic injury and death and other injuries related to trauma, like fights, car crashes, things like that. So um, definitely some issues if you're younger male drinking, the chance of death and disability is higher than it would be for other groups, just based on activities and whatnot. But they found that those who were over the age of 40 um, actually did not have any health risks that were associated with alcohol. Um, so it was very interesting. So there's even some people, some um, points, in the data that shows that there could be an improved health benefit from smaller consumptions, from drinking smaller amounts of alcohol. Now, they found that the standard drink was 10 grams of pure alcohol, which is about three and a half fluid ounces of some red wine, which is about 100 milliliters, or about 12 ounces of a big bottle of beer, a can of beer, or one ounce shot of high um, concentrated alcohol spirit, like 40% alcohol. So um, not a whole lot of drinking here based on the, the, the standard drink, but definitely um, those who were um, found to be under the age of 40 with heavy drinking, there was actually increased risk of death and other um, morbidity from trauma, suicides, car accidents, violence, things like that. But over the age of 40, there was actually a decreased risk of death with moderate consumption of alcohol. Now, one thing that happened during the COVID-19 pandemic, and which is considered, which was considered worrisome by many health professionals, 
was that there was a 41 increase in heavy drinking amongst adults who drank during the pandemic. So people were indoors, not doing so much as they would used to during their typical work routine, but they were inside drinking. So it was found that again, a significant amount, significant increase in the drinking levels of people who were indoors during the, during the pandemic. So definitely con some concerning findings there. Now again, this, this study looked at, again, those who were 40 and older, and they found that those um, who drank had a moderately decreased risk of cardiovascular diseases, stroke, and diabetes. And um, moderate drinking is considered drinking one or two drinks a day for more than three to five days a week. So um, there's definitely um, some controversy though with this uh, report as far as the reduced risk of death in those over 40, specifically from cardiovascular disease. Um, the reason being is that many people say that um, because you may have a decreased risk of cardiovascular disease, we, there's a known increase in other ailments, including cancer and uh, liver issues and uh, other potential um, long-term problems, including addiction. So there's, they're very cautious as far as recommending people drink regularly for cardiovascular health because some of the known potential side effects of alcohol consumption. So, um, you know, there's a lot of controversy with this um, information that we see in this recent study. However, you know, if you're someone over 40 who drinks moderate to light amounts of alcohol, you know, one to two drinks um, a day, no more than five times a week, um, that level of drinking may be associated with decreased cardiovascular um, um, events. So, um, yeah, so again, that doesn't mean you should be drinking heavily and then jumping in the car and driving or operating heavy machinery, obviously. But there may be potentially be some benefits from alcohol consumption. But of course, when you get too crazy with it and you drink too heavily, that has many negative connotations, including addiction and, and especially potentially premature death from accidents or other issues so be careful out there guys but a beer day may not be the worst thing in the world given this new information all right guys now the last story of the day is about avocados um one little bit of a nutrition tidbit here before we close out we know avocados are a rich source of fiber and dietary healthy fat so i love avocados i eat them almost every other meal seems like but everyone there's been this kind of urban legend saying that avocados can help reduce belly fat. Now, you know, there's some out, people out here who swear by this, you know, but there was some research that was actually conducted to actually see whether or not this was accurate. So there was a US study called the Habitual Diet and Avocado Trial, the HAT, the HAT study. Look, at, They looked at 1,000 adults who were overweight or obese, right? Um, meaning at least 35 inch waist in women or 40 plus inch waist in men. It took part in the study. So they looked at people who just incorporated avocados into their diet. So people who were already overweight, they let them eat whatever they wanted, they didn't try to control their nutrition, but they made them increase, include an avocado in their meal. So if they had 10 burgers, they would make sure they had avocado with those 10 burgers a day. Whatever they were eating, you know, no matter how many high calorie content it was. And so they looked at some people who had one group, they looked at them and they increased their basically avocado intake per day by one. So usual diet plus one avocado. The second group, they had them continue their normal diet, but they only had two avocados a month, right? So one group eats one avocado a day. The other group is eating only up to two avocados a month. So the diets didn't really change, but one group was eating a daily avocado. The other group 
was just eating it occasionally throughout the month. Only no more than two for the whole month. So big difference in avocado consumption. And so they looked at the people and see, okay, what's going on with these avocados? Are they affected the belly fats? And they kind of looked at them. They had serial MRI scans to look at the fat layers of these people during this study, right? So after a period of six months, they reevaluate everybody. They scan everybody again, looking at the body, the belly fat, see if it had changed at all and looked at their blood work and see if there's any issues they should be looking at. And they found that in the six months period or after it was completed, those who had the avocado a day, they had no weight gain and their weight remained stable actually. So they were eating whatever they wanted and they had the avocado, there was no change in their weight. So some people would get concerned because they felt avocados are high calorie, but you know, in this study, it did not affect the overall weight of the patients. They also found that the pe uh, people who had the avocado a day had an improved diet quality. So it seems like people who were doing this diet they tended to eat a little bit healthier. I guess they were eating you know, a little more fruits and vegetables. And this could be also biased because if they're in a study, people will tend to probably eat a little better than they normally would because they know people are watching because they got to look at it. And this is something we talked about in our book, Next Level Weight Loss 2.0. If your consumption is being documented, people tend to eat better. So that's one quick way to lose weight. If you want to you know, keep track of what you're eating, you'll just naturally probably eat less. Also, people who had an avocado a day, had a 2.9 milligram per deciliter decrease in total cholesterol, so almost three points decrease, and that's pretty significant. Um, those who have high cholesterol issues, um, there's all kinds of things that have been used to try to reduce it, and on the medication side, all kinds of side effects, but there's some evidence that avocados may be an effective way to help reduce your cholesterol levels. This was found in both the total cholesterol and the LDL cholesterol, which is the bad cholesterol, which has been linked to heart disease and strokes and whatnot. So. Avocado consumers, or um, those who consumed avocados daily, while they did not have a decrease in belly fat, they did notice um, improved diet quality, as well as a decrease in cholesterol levels. So that's pretty good, actually. Um, and it shows um, that avocados may be part um, of a healthy nutrition plan. So I love avocados. I eat them regularly. Um, not daily, but I just might. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about daily, but I'll eat them fairly regularly. And so I encourage you guys, if you don't like or haven't tried avocados, you're missing out. They're some of the best things you can put in your body. Uh, just taste-wise, it's amazing. But this now research shows that avocados may have some health benefits, guys. So like I always say, food is medicine. So if you're ready to take a pill, you should be ready to eat foods that can help you achieve similar effects. So consider incorporating avocados if you haven't already. All right, guys. So that's all today for today's show. I appreciate you guys tuning in to us every week we have some exciting shows coming up new interviews and amazing content on the horizon guys um, so please stick with us we are here ready to deliver you know what we can to ensure that you are well informed of all the latest developments on the health and wellness front i'm your host dr barry again feel free to reach out email is dr health at gmail.com that's d-r-b-a-r-r-y h-e-a-l-t-h at gmail.com um, forget, don't forget the cash app. Any donations are greatly appreciated. That's dollar sign Dr. Barry Health on Cash App. And of course, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Type in Dr. Barry MD. We should come up. And uh, that is all. So, again, until next week, peace. 
Thank you for listening to the Health and Wellness Connection podcast and radio show. For more information on ways to get healthy, please check us out. www.anchor.fm forward slash HW Connection. Here you can re-listen to the show, check out older shows, and even further support the show by becoming a subscriber to the podcast. Please check us out today. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash HW Connection. And also, don't forget to follow Dr. Barry on Instagram at drbarrymd. Until next time, stay healthy.